heart, I don't think there's a more important message than what I'm going to try to preach this morning. So we appreciate your attention, following your King James Bible. I'm going to read uh, about 15 verses, and I'll give you an introduction, and then if I can, if i got time, I'm going to preach about four points out of this chapter. But notice this is a temptation in the wilderness. We're all probably familiar, uh, most of us are, if you're a Bible student, with Jesus in the wilderness. So let's look at him closely. In verse uh, number one, the Bible said, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit, uppercase, Holy Spirit, into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone. You boys make a note there, Mark 4, 3. He said stones. Mark listed as stones. Luke listed as a single stone. I believe that's significant. Uh, I don't know if I'll get that far or not this morning. But verse 3, The devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil, Adam sold us out in the garden. And the devil, I think, made Jesus an offer and said, I'll give you the world back if you'll bypass Calvary. Everybody don't agree with that, but they got a right to be wrong if they want to. Amen. Verse number six, And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If we had time to go to Psalms, I could show you all the gods of this world are devils. Every one of them except the God Jehovah that we're worshiping today. All the nations of this world, probably except the nation of Israel and there, they miss Jesus, but uh, they're worshiping devils. And there's a demonic power loose in this earth today, and it's got progressively worse as we near the coming of the Lord. And I'm telling you, we need to be on our toes and listen to what the Bible said. Verse number 7, If thou wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angel charge over thee to keep thee. Now the devil left part of that verse out. He never quotes scripture correctly. Right. He always leaves part of it out, yeah. takes it out of context. Right. Jesus said, you're a liar and there's no truth in you. Right. And so the truth never comes out like it ought to out of the mouth of the devil. When he ever tells you something, he's a liar and the father of it. Yeah. Somebody help me, amen. Yeah. I'm mad at the devil. I hope you are. Yeah. Verse number 10, For it is written, He shall give His angels charge uh, over thee to keep thee. And in their hands, angels' hands, shall they bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. 
And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. He retreated, but he wasn't defeated till Calvary. Somebody help me. Verse 14, and Jesus, I'm feeling pretty good, amen. Verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Would you ask God to help me? Father, I love you. And I realize this morning, Lord, I'm a frail individual, human being, a body of flesh. And I need the Holy Ghost today, Lord, to help me. So I would ask you in Jesus' name to cleanse me, uh, Lord, through the power of the blood and make this vessel a vessel that you could fill with the Holy Ghost and uh, speak to this congregation today. Lord, these prayer requests that have been mentioned, I know you're a prayer hearing and a prayer answering Heavenly Father. And I pray for divine intervention in every circumstance. Have you willing your way now in the furtherance of the service, and we'll love you for all you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your Bible open and uh, we'll give you three or four things and be through here in just a little bit. Uh, thus you're familiar with the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. I'm probably not going to get to the temptations, but I want to show you something that the Lord gave me out of this text. While Jesus was in the wilderness, he went through every temptation that you will ever have and that I will ever have. And the devil doesn't have anything new. It's old. He's still been practicing because it's been working all these years uh, since the garden. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Those are three avenues that the devil is going to try to destroy you and defeat you and keep you from ever being saved or ever doing anything after you get saved for the glory of God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, Jesus was hungry, and uh, the devil said, well, just turn this stone to bread. That was the lust of the flesh. And then he said, look at all the kingdoms of this world. I'll give you all of this and all this power if you'll bow down and worship me. That was the lust of the eye. And then the pride of life. He said, jump off the pinnacle of the temple and the angels will fulfill scripture and they'll keep you from dashing your foot against the stone because a sacrifice couldn't be offered with a broken foot or leg or bone or whatever. And Jesus quoted scripture every time to him and defeated him in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Here's my message this morning, the Lord being my helper. In verse number one, the Bible said, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan. That's significant. Jordan is a crossing going into Canaan land. Would you agree with that? Yes. Uh, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So in verse number four, you got him going into the wilderness. In verse number 14, look at it with me. Jesus returned out of the wilderness uh, in the power of the Spirit into uh, Galilee. So in verse number 1, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for our sake, for the uh, show of uh, the generation to come, that Jesus is greater than any power and any 
sin or what have you, different reasons he was in there. But he goes into the wilderness in verse number 1, and he comes out of the wilderness in verse number 14, and he made a journey through that wilderness. Here's what I want to preach the Lord being my helper uh, this morning. How to win in the wilderness of sin. Jesus went through the wilderness of sin, led by the Spirit of God, was in there 40 days and fasted and was afterward hungry, the Bible said. And he came out in verse number 14 and he still got the victory. He came in and went in and led by the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said in verse number 1, he was full of the Holy Ghost. I'm probably get hung up there if I'm not careful. And in verse number 14, he comes out of the wilderness still in the power of the Spirit of God. So our victory this morning is in possessing and being yielded to and being filled with the Holy Ghost. If I had time to preach on the Holy Ghost and His ministry, which I don't have time this morning, but the Bible said Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost in verse number 1. He said in verse number 1 again, He was led by the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said in verse number 14, He returned in the power of the Holy Ghost. Verse number 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon thee, He hath anointed me to preach the gospel. There's a manifold ministry of the Holy Ghost, and it goes from the time you get saved until we leave this world and go to be with God, where we just sang about we are going to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let him work in your life. A lot of churches, a lot of religion, a lot of I guess so called they say saved people have rejected the ministry of the Holy Ghost. They go through a form and a fashion and a ritual and they know nothing about spirituality and nothing about spiritual worship and nothing about walking in the Spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh, to be spiritually minded is life and peace, carnally minded is death, what Paul said in the book of Romans chapter number 8. And so the Holy Ghost has a ministry. Here's the one I'm really interested in this morning, if the Lord will get me lined out here directly. In John chapter chapter 16, verse number 7, Jesus said, It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter cannot come. But if I go, I will send him unto you. I'm glad Jesus made it home all right. Amen. Because the Holy Ghost came on the day, uh, day of Pentecost. And Jesus said in John 16, when he, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Here's my message this morning for just a few minutes. How to win in a world of sin. It's to be guided or to be led by the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. I'm about to get a hold of my, ahead of myself. Amen. If, if you're a Bible student, I hope I can maybe help you a little bit. It sure did help me. Uh, geography uh, wise if you'll let me say that and that's not in the Bible but geographically the word I'm looking for geographically in the Bible 
Egypt is a type of the world. I think everybody knows that. Egypt is a type of the world. Canaan land on the other side of Jordan where Joshua and the people came up to and they refused to make an 11-day journey to get into Canaan according to Deuteronomy chapter 1 and they exchanged 11-day journey to go over Jordan and wandered around in the wilderness and wasted their life 40 years in sin and righteous living and hundreds of thousands of them died in the wilderness. But from Egypt, a type of being lost in the world, you're in Egypt when you're lost without Jesus. You get saved, you get born again in Egypt and God's got a Canaan lamb down the road that he wants every one of us to go into. My son uses this expression quite a bit. The old timers, nobody in here old this morning, but the old timer, they used to pray about pressing in and getting full of the Holy Ghost and getting over Jordan and getting over into Canaan land. By the way, that's where the milk and the honey is. Amen. And it's still a flowing today, preacher. I'm glad there's more to this thing than just getting saved. There is a Canaan lamb, and that's not a type of heaven, by the way. That's a victorious, spirit-filled life that you can live over this world, victorious in this old body, and over the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's on the other side of Jordan. Are you listening? Got born in Egypt, lifted out of Egypt. God wants us over in Canaan land. But my message this morning, in between Egypt and in between Canaan on the other side of Jordan, there is a waste howling wilderness. And the songwriter put it this way. This world is a wilderness and I'm ready for deliverance. Amen. Aren't you? This old world is reeling and rocking. The Bible said like a drunken man. And really God's going to shake it again one of these days. Like maybe she's never been shaken before. But nevertheless, in between you getting saved and you becoming uh, completely conformed to the image of Jesus, and we will, some of it here, a lot of it here, and all of it will be completed at the beam of seat, the judgment seat of Christ. When we leave there, we will be completely like Him. When we leave the judgment, all the thing, everything going to be taken off, knocked off, chiseled off, whatever's going to take it. But we will be like Him, having a body conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But nevertheless, if I can get to my message, in between Egypt, you getting saved, and in between there and Canaan land, there is a wilderness. And the children of Israel wandered 40 years in that wilderness. You can read about that in Exodus. I had a young preacher text me this week, and he said, where is that story about Joshua uh, and uh, children of Israel coming up out of Egypt? And I said, well, if you know your Bible, the word Exodus means something. It means exiting out of Egypt and going somewhere, amen. When God takes you out of somewhere, He's usually taking you somewhere. Are you listening? And I am trying to get to my message if the Lord will help me. But geographically, you've got a wilderness in between getting saved and being on the shores of sweet deliverance like we sang a while ago. And the secret to that, if it, if it is a secret, apparently a lot of people don't know it, it's the work of the Holy Ghost in our lives. 
the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is conforming us, and I've been saved for 56 years. He's been working on me, and he's still got a lot to do. If you don't believe that, ask my wife, but she'll put she'll set you straight on that. I got a lot of things that God's got to perfect in my life. I'm telling you, he's been working on me, and he hadn't given up on me, and he's still working on me at my age, and I'll be completely like him one of these days. I'm looking forward to that, amen. Dying ain't too bad. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, grave, where is thy sting? Sting of death is sin, strength of sin is the law. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I heard an old preacher 50 years ago. He said, Dead, it's like you're in this old broken up farm wagon, like this old body we're in, decrepit and sick and decaying. And he said, You step into the closet of death and shut the door behind you, and the door opens up in front of you. And in that closet, you trade an old worn out wagon for a golden chariot, and you step out on the, you step out on the other side, and you can enjoy eternity in like Jesus. Amen. Lord, help me get to the wilderness. Amen. If he wants me in the wilderness, we'll get there. If we don't, we'll just do something else. Amen. Nevertheless, look at me, please. Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. That's a doctrine. Yeah, I don't hear anything about it anymore. I could be in camp meetings and preaching every week if I was physically able. I hadn't been able, but I don't hear too much about the being filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm honest with you. I thought about it this week. The Lord dealt with my heart about this message and I thought about it and I began to go back through the meetings that I've been in and camp meetings and uh, revivals and what have you. You just don't hear too much about being filled with the Holy Ghost. But it's a scriptural doctrine. We know Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled, be filled with the Spirit of God, be filled with the Holy Ghost. So it is a scriptural doctrine, and I think it's been rejected today. I think the fullness of the Spirit, that doctrine, is probably the most confused, the most abused, and the most misunderstood doctrine, and I prayed about that before I make that statement this morning, it may be the most abused and confused doctrine in all of the Bible. Some say, well, if I get full of the Holy Ghost, I'll speak in tongues. No, you get full of the Holy Ghost, you'll get a bridle for the one you got. Yeah, he'll shut your mouth, Amen. Well, if I get full of the Holy Ghost, I have to let my dress tail drag the ground, let my hair come down about halfway down my thigh, and wear long sleeves and a white shirt all the time. No, God will conform you to the image of Jesus. He'll just make you like Him. He gets credit for a lot of stuff he's not guilty of, the Holy Ghost. Are you listening? Get full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was, oh, to be like Him. He's full of the Holy Ghost. He's led by the Holy Ghost. He goes through 40 days of temptation in the wilderness in the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, I've been anointed by the Holy Ghost in verse number 18. So let me preach for just a little bit how to win in the wilderness of sin. And I'm talking about this sinful, wicked world that we are living in. You can live a victorious life. 
I don't have time to enlarge on that. I want to tell you how if I can. But 1 Corinthians 15, 57, the Apostle Paul wrote the most carnal church, I guess, in the Bible, the church at Corinth, and he said, Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? Romans chapter 8, verse number 37. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And it goes through a list there that's not going to separate you from the love of God. Brother John, in 1 John chapter number 5, he said there's a victory that overcomes the world. I'm preaching this morning how to live a victorious life in 2022, and until Jesus comes again, we can rise above every circumstance and every temptation that you will ever encounter. And I'm telling you, the devil doesn't rest. He does retreat, but he's not going to leave you alone till you leave this world. Amen. And I'm telling you, age is not going to cure that. If it was, I'd be cured. Amen. But age is not going to cure. The devil is not going to give up. And he's going to defeat you in any way of possibility that he can. The lust of the flesh. I've got the same flesh that Jesus saw when I got saved 56 years ago. There's a victory over that. I've got a carnal mind that I had the night I got saved. There's a victory over there. Carnal mind, spiritual mind. Walk in the spirit or walk in the lust of the eye and the flesh and the pride of life. There's victory over everything that this world has to offer and the devil has to offer. Let me give you four things and we'll go to the house. Amen. If you'll look with me, and there's a lot more introduction I could give you, but I won't. Be led in verse number one, Jesus uh, says in John uh, and Luke, Luke here said, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit. I tried to alliterate my four little points, and the first one, how to overcome this world, is to be led by the Spirit. He indwells every believer. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So when you got saved, the Holy Ghost came into your body and sealed himself according to Ephesians 4.30 or so. He sealed himself in there unto, not until, but unto, he's going to keep you till that day come, unto the day of redemption. Amen. And so you're indwelt by the Holy Ghost, but you're going to have to learn to listen to him. Learn to listen to the Holy Ghost. Isaiah, back before 700 years or so before Calvary, Isaiah said, you'll hear a still, small voice. Does he speak to you? He spoke to me on the back porch, Brother Jared, the other morning, and I was coming through Luke in my Bible reading, and I'm reading through the Old and New at the same time this year, but I was coming through there, and he said, that's what you need to preach Sunday morning. And I said, well, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to preach. He said, that's what you need to preach Sunday morning. So he told me I was coming. And he knew, he knew who would be here before he ever hung the stars and the moon and the sun. He knew who wouldn't be here. But he had me and you here to hear what he wanted us to hear. So let be led by the Spirit. You young men, listen to the old man. It's like an old buck. 12-point buck. I saw that head out there in the bathroom. Mercy. But that 
old bucks going through the wood and he called all the young bucks around and he said, uh, let me tell you young fellows something. He said, you're out here in the woods in the wilderness and you see a pile or you get a sniff of something and you begin to sniff it around you looking for it and there's a pile of juicy apples. He said, boys, you better be careful. There ain't an apple tree within 10 miles of this wilderness. He said, somebody's put that there to kill you. Are you listening? You see a big pile of corn? He said, see that pile of yellow golden nuggets there, boy? They said, yeah, that looks good. He said, there ain't a cornfield within 25 miles of this wilderness. Somebody's wanting to shoot you and kill you and destroy you. Apply that to our life. I'm telling you, he'll touch it. Turn those stones to bread. Now, that's not too much of a miracle. That wouldn't strain God. It wouldn't strain Jesus to do that. I had a young preacher's wife, and I pastored for years. He's pastoring in Greenville now. She could turn biscuits to stone in a heartbeat. (laughs) Are you listening? Jesus could have turned the stone to bread. Stone, you're saying, are you straightening that out, Jared? And Mark, there's stones and stones. See what that, tell me what that means. Amen. Here's what I got out of it. There's all kinds of temptations in the world, but there might be one that the devil's going to hang you up on. You, I'm, you think I'm going to get drunk today? I doubt it. I saw my dad drunk, vomiting in the floor, vomit running four inches deep, refrigerator turned over, furniture thrown out in the yard, window shot out of the house. You think I'm going to take a drink of liquor? No, thank you. You think I'm going to defile my body with fentanyl or the drugs that are going around today? I don't think so. But I'm telling you, the devil sit back and he knows our weaknesses and I'm not above sin and you're going to let him think he's standing to take heed lest he fall it might be that single stone that the devil's going to pick up and destroy you with but listen to the scripture learn to be led in verse number one Jesus was led by the spirit now write this verse down you probably got it First Peter 2 21 Jesus left us an example that we should follow his steps. He went through the wilderness 40 days. I don't know if he went straight through, I doubt it. But if he going from temptation to temptation to temptation, I hope you understand the temptations of Jesus. Temptations rolled off the back of our Lord like water off of a duck's back. Jesus never was tempted to lie. He never was tempted. That had no effect on him whatsoever. It does me and you. But it didn't. He he was tempted like as we are to show that he was God in a body of flesh. And those temptations didn't bother him. But that's not my point this morning. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin to yield to those temptations. And we face them, we encounter those things every day. And I'm telling you, I'm disturbed. It bothers me at the casualties that we are seeing today, preacher. 
I can quote Hebrews 12. That's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And my daughter said, Dad, I've heard you preach that so much, I can preach it better than you can. I said, well, have at it, sis. Go ahead. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You're led by the Spirit of God. He said those apples, there's a worm in every one of them. You young people listen to the preacher. There's a nasty worm in every apple that the devil's got. You ever been eating an apple off the tree? Take a big bite out of it and there's a half a worm in it? You know where that other half went, don't you? Every apple the devil's got's got a worm in it. Everything he's got, there's something wrong. He's a liar and the father of it. He's out to destroy you. He's out to destroy your family. He's out to destroy, keep you from being happy. He'll never satisfy you. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. And there's a whole bunch of unsatisfied things in the Bible that I'm running rabbits and I don't have time to do that. Here's the victory of going through this wilderness of sin. Be sensitive and very attentive to the voice of the Holy Ghost in your life. Acknowledge him in what all thy ways. Every one of them, that's not part of them. So listen to the voice of God when he speaks to you. I have been saved a long time. There's been time, preacher, I didn't listen to him. I've tried to learn better. I limp around today. I told my wife last night I didn't sleep good. My leg felt like it was in a bucket of hot ashes burning like fire. It's eat up with arthritis and I'm, I don't want your pity. I've got a sermon illustration. Amen. The Holy Ghost said "You, God wants, your father wants you to preach son. And I was 25 years old. The Holy Ghost said God wants you to preach. And I said I can't preach. And I'm not worthy to preach. And I don't ever intend to preach. And I, he let me get by with that for 12 or 14 months or so. I can't tell you exactly the time on the month or the day. But I'm telling you, when God began to keep dealing with me and dealing with me about the will of God and the Holy Ghost speaking to me, and he spoke as clearly, probably more clearly than I'm speaking to you, I was a motorcycle policeman. I don't know if I told you this or not. Every time I come over here, I got liberty to preach. Jared, I was sitting at Lake Avenue and Nebraska Avenue in Tampa, Florida. And I come up to the intersection going west, going across Nebraska Avenue. And I was on a motorcycle and the Holy Ghost was saying, you're going to preach, you're going to preach, you're going to preach. Park this motorcycle, you're going to preach. And I ran a red light. I ran through a red light. And a car slid sideways to keep from hitting me, stopped in there. And the Holy Ghost said, park it and get off of it. You are going to preach. That's why I've been preaching for 56 years. You correct your children? If you don't, you're going to lose them, I can tell you that. You read, read Proverbs, forget about the government school system, read Proverbs about training your children. Eh, right? and don't read don't read some child rearing book, Jared, about some old widow that's never even had her hand squeezed on the front porch, much less having any babies. 
they write books how to raise your children. They never had one. About like some young preachers telling you how to told a good man of God that you know and I know a young preacher got up in his pulpit and corrected him and the church and uh, called several people to leave. That preacher talking to me the other day, I could straighten that out in a hurry. Amen. Yes, Nobody got any business straightening the preacher out in this pulpit. God take care of him. The Holy Ghost told me you're going to preach. And I said, no, okay, I love you. I can't. I don't think I can. I don't, can't do that. I wallered that around. And after about a year of being in the chasm, being in the hospital for three months, they're going to take my leg off. And that same God that we prayed about working a miracle today, he touched my leg. Here's what he brought me to. Lord, I'll serve you with one leg or two, just whichever one you want. He said, well, I'm going to let you keep both of them. But i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to remind you every every day of your life about your disobedience so you can help somebody else. And that leg ached, I don't want you pity, that leg ached last night like it was stuck in a barrel of hot ashes. I was up at one o'clock stumbling around through the house and that leg aching like a toothache. Now I don't want you pity. I brought that on myself. God taught me a good lesson. I'm still learning from it. I want you to learn don't make, a, don't make a mistake I did. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. Amen. Peace your father, obey him. So Jesus was led by the Spirit in verse number one. I know I got a hurt and I'm not going to get it all. That's fine. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He led, was led through the wilderness and is led out of the wilderness and went back to Galilee where he started. Amen. And Jesus will lead you in the person of the Holy Ghost. He will direct your steps, order your steps, direct your path. And here's how he's going to do it. Secondly, every temptation that Jesus encountered in these three accounts in Luke chapter number four, how did he answer? He answered with scripture. He was not only led by the Spirit victoriously through the wilderness, but he was, had learned, knew the Scripture. You learn it. He didn't have to learn it. But you learn the Scripture, and you can live a victorious life through this uh, wilderness we're living in. People are making mistake after mistake after mistake and they say, I didn't know him better. Well, I'm telling you, the Word shall judge thee in the last day. You got a Bible. You're a preacher. I'm sure a preacher. There are a lot of preachers not preaching it. And the Bible said, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. All Scripture is proper for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And I can but he said all of it this book, learn what this book says about living in this wicked world we're in be not conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of yourself, renew your mind is what Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and I have to do that and you'll have to do it surely we renew our mind by this book I've read through it hundreds of times in 56 years, and I'm going to read through it several times this year, but I'm telling you, you better learn this scripture. I'm using my Bible. My grandchildren used to say, I'm using my Bible for a road map. The children of Israel used it too. They came up to the sea of destruction, I think the song said, and Jesus led them safely through. 
you got a Bible. It is a lamp unto thy feet. And if you'll look that word up, and I'm not doing any harm to the scripture, the word lamp there is a candle. You carry a lantern, a lamp, it doesn't show you where you're going a half a mile from now. It shows you one step at a time. That's the lamp of the word of God. Thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. I know where I'm going to be a hundred years from now. I'm going to be on those streets of gold with mom and dad and my family and folks I've led to God and preached to. And Patrick, though, I know where I'm going to be out trying to. This word is a lie. But I'm telling you, today, I better let it be a lamp under my feet. Go through this wicked world. The Bible says, no, don't do it. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? You've got a Bible. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. We know that. We're fundamental Bible-believing King James Independent Baptist. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm glad that I am. Amen. If I wasn't uh, uh, glad to be that, I'd get in what I was. We passed some Episcopal churches and Methodist churches and every kind of church coming over here. Churches I didn't even know existed between here and Taylor's. I'm telling you, we wandered around the bridge out all kinds of churches everywhere. Some of them had 20 cars. Some of them had three cars. And there's all kinds of churches. But I want one that'll get that book and tell me the truth of what the Bible says. Uh, this, this Bible, listen to me. I think we're living in a generation of mercy. Time flies when you're having fun. But listen to me. That Bible Bible is not a smorgasbord. Is that a good word? What is a smorgasbord? I know what a salad bar is. I coming over here, I thought about thinking I was preaching coming over here. What a smorgasbord. What is that, Miss Ranch? You know? Is that kind of a conglomeration of all kinds of different stuff? Yes, sir. Here's what the average church member wants. No, I don't want any of that. Broccoli? No, I don't want any of that. Oh. Pintos and tater? Yeah, I'll take some of that. Slice of cornbread? Oh, yeah, I'll take them. Uh, no, I'm not going to take any of those. Tomatoes are bad for my arthritis. That's not a smorgasbord. It's, it's not a salad bar. You believe it from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22? And I know there's dispensations. There's about seven of them, and I don't know what y'all teach in his school. But one of my young men said, there's eight. And I said, well, you, he got out into eternity. I said, eternity is not a dispensation. Eternity is a period, a dispensation is a period of time with a beginning and an end. Eternity doesn't have either one. So I'm a seven dispensation man preacher. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not up here to argue with you, amen. I hadn't got my check yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't need your money. There's a lady come up there a while ago, had a handful of $20 bills. I said, what you doing, man, passing out $20 bills? She said, no, this belonged to the Lord. I said, I don't want none of it. But you can't take the Bible and take a little bit here and a little of that's what doctrine, men are confused, and people in churches are confused, as a termite in a yo-yo. Right. They take a little here and a little there, and I heard my pastor said this 55 years ago, I reckon, somewhere in that area. He said, I can just about take the Bible and make hell an ice house. Turn everything around, take a little bit here and a little bit there. The right. example he used, 
Jesus told Judas, go out. He went out quickly and hanged himself. And Jesus said in another scripture, go thou and do likewise. He said, I can take two verses of scripture and every one of us go out here and hang ourselves before the sun goes down the sea. You can't take a verse out of context. That's what the devil's doing here. And by the way, I've got to quit just a little bit. I'm quitting. He left those verses the devil quoted in Luke. You, you look at them, and he left part of them off. He said, all thy ways acknowledge him. The devil didn't even mention that. But he said, get in the wilderness and get to stones and turn that to bread and all this kind of stuff. Angels are going to bury you up. He said, those scriptures he messed up every one of them. I looked it up. So you got to love, you got to be led by the Spirit, learn the scripture. Jesus used the book of Deuteronomy all three times when he rebuked the devil. And then third, would you listen closely? And I'm not going to labor this point. Look at verse number eight. Jesus answered and said unto him, the devil, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. And here's what I've jotted down for my third point. Be led by the Spirit, learn the Scripture, and love the Savior. Love Him. I'm not going the ways of the world because I love Jesus. It bray, every time we sin, we bray. He understands. He knows we're but flesh. And that's scriptural. But I'm telling you, it breaks his heart. And I don't want to hurt the one I love. The songwriter said back when we were teenagers, you always hurt the one you love. And I, there's a lot of truth in that. If you didn't love them, they didn't love you. There wouldn't be any hurt there. But I'm telling you, when you love the Lord and he loves you and we disobey and we do things we shouldn't do, we don't love him the way we should, we break the heart of God. We grieve the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody drew a picture, a depiction of Abraham Lincoln back during the war. Of course, he's up in D.C. now, the Washington Monument, all that they got up there. But Abraham Lincoln sitting there in that big old rocking chair, not a rocking chair, but a rock chair sitting there, whatever it is. And he's sitting there looking out. Somebody drew a picture of him and painted it. He had his head bowed. When all this stuff's going on today, Abraham Lincoln had his head bowed, weeping. I kind of wish we had some more Abraham Lincolns, don't you? And he wasn't perfect. But I'm telling you this, learn to love the Lord. That'll get you through this world. If you love him, you're just not going to do some things this world's doing. I love him. I love him too much. I don't want to break his heart. So worship him. I'm, I don't have time to preach on worship. You know what worship is. But when you come in here, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, the Bible said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. Take time to get alone with the Lord and worship him. And you can define worship, and the Bible's full of worship, and John 4 talks about worship, and there's false worship, and there's spiritual worship. There's all kinds of worship in the Bible. But learn to worship the Lord. And then lastly, in verse number 8 again, the latter part of it, verse 8, Thou shalt worship the Lord, that's love Him, and 
Him only shalt thou serve. I put labor there for the sake of alliteration. Learn to worship Him, love Him, and then labor for Him. Serve Him. Do something for Jesus. Do something for Him. We all can't play the instruments. We all can't sing. We all are not going to be preaching. There's all of us not going to the mission field. But I'm telling you, He's got something for us to do. There's plenty to do. Just ask the pastor. If you don't believe him, ask me. There's just plenty to do. There's work to be done. We used to think we'll work till Jesus comes. But I'm telling you how to get, stay out of the wilderness, get out of the wilderness victoriously. Hear Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor's not in vain in the Lord. That's where I got my labor, my alliteration. Labor for the Lord. You're going to get old one of these days. You won't be able to do what you have done when you're young. Give of your best to the Master. Is anybody here this morning? You say, Preacher, I'll give my best for the Lord. I'll serve you young people. There used to be a song when we, were, when we got saved years ago. Give of your best to the Master. Give of the strength of thy youth. I was 25 when I got saved. The Lord dealt with me when I was nine years old. You young people listen to me. I could have been saved when I was nine. The Lord spoke to me as clear as the sun shining this morning when I was nine years old. And I didn't get saved till I was 25. I wasted from nine to 19, that would be 10, and then six more. 16 years of my life I wasted in the world through my teen years playing ball and doing everything else teenagers did back yonder in that dispensation. But I wasted 16 years of my life. I've been trying to make it up, preacher. What's average life span in the United States? 76, 77, somewhere around the 78 maybe. I hope the Lord will give me 15 years. I ask him that, and I'm through, I'm closing. But I asked the Lord, Brother Jared, several years ago, I guess I was 65, when I, 66, when I quit pastoring. And I said, Lord, give me 15 more years where I can serve you. We've been on the road about 17 years. Those 15 years are up. You know what I've done? I've gone back and renegotiated that contract. <laughs> If he had took, God took me up on that 15 years, I'd be in heaven two years ago. But I want 15 more. I'd like to have at least 17 to make up for the years I wasted. So the old preacher's telling you, don't waste you, don't waste your youth. Loving, learn what he said. You can't obey him if you don't know what he said. Worship him, let him lead you, and then labor. Do something for him. Ask him, Lord, what would thou have me to do? That's scripture. What would thou have me to do? That's what Paul prayed on the road to Damascus. What would thou have me to do? Have you ever asked him that? Some people haven't because they're afraid he'll tell them. But here's my message. And honest before God, the Lord dealt with my heart on my back porch three or four days ago about Luke 4. 
you can live victorious in this world today. If you haven't, if you've fallen, skinned your knee, my little granddaughter come in, she's got a black eye. She's five years old, got a black eye, skin up. I said, what in the world happened? She's the apple of my eye. I said, what happened to you? you know, I was cutting the flip out of the swing, swinging out real high. She said, I saw a girl do that. Her mama said she did it twice, but that third time, she didn't get flipped all the way around and she hit the ground, skint the side of her face and blocked her eye. You may have fallen, blocked your eye, skint your knee and just get, ask God to help you and get up and go on and try it again. If I'd have quit the first mistake I made, first sin I committed, I'd have quit a long time ago. But I don't, I don't want to quit, do you? I want to serve him here and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You can live a victorious life in the wilderness God's got us in today. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me preach.